0: Hello. Here we go. Hey, Casey. Hey.
1: Hey, bros. Ryan,
0: you there? Yeah. Can nice. You guys hear me okay? I'm I'm using my new uh, AirPods. Oh, nice. good I, for you.
1: I am also using yeah. AirPods. Um, I am also I bet- using <laughs> AirPods. <laughs> Fantastic. I actually
0: bought these for Patricia, so. Um, but now I'm using them. <laughs> <So> <laughs> yes. <how> <laughs> yep. All right. Well this is uh I don't even know where we
2: are. Uh, it's like seven I seven I think. Are,
0: yeah. Yeah, maybe the seventh episode. And uh this is like an off the cuff episode. Uh you know, we were just texting and then we just figured, Oh, you know what, we could do a podcast right now. So uh actually I was watching Moot. And decided to put the movie on pause, and decided to come and do this. So I'm glad that we're that we're that we're finally able to do that. Uh, now we just need to pick a topic, uh, and uh, the two topics that are up for grabs is we could talk about uh, history of yerba mate, or we could also, and it kind of fits in with the history, right? We could also talk about you know our reason for being you know the way of the gaucho what you know what is that what, what gaucho what does that mean so um you know who are the gaucho and, and their history so um coming down to what we know more about at this very moment <laughs> right so what we what we can talk about more um uh, an- actually, another another idea that that I had that we ought to do at some point, not now, but at some point, is mythology. I recognize there's a lot of myths around mate from like indigenous people oh, yeah. and uh, like the Guarani. We've never got. We, I don't think I don't know enough about that. Actually, I was I was listening to a uh, um, to a mate workshop by a friend of mine and he talked about mythology of mate and i and it kind of dawned on me like oh wow i didn't realize that there was so much mythology surrounding mate and then no uh, i have actually heard
1: a lot of this t- as well living in argentina and
0: yeah.
1: but, and it changes a little bit uh, depending on where you're at because where i where where i lived in northern argentina there was uh, la pachamama and there was a lot of mythology oh, with yeah. la pachamama um, along with the mate, oh cool, and how they would give back to the the mother yeah. earth by burying mate, things like that. But yeah, you were saying yeah. sorry. No, no, it's
0: it's fine. I was I was just thinking Patricia was also Patricia also happens to know like all these myths that I had never heard of, <laughs> <right>? Yeah, <laughs> about like where mate came from yeah. and everything. And uh, so I, I was I was talking to her. I, I mentioned to her like, oh, I heard this myth about uh, Mate, about the origins of Mate. And um, and she was like, oh yeah, I've heard that. <laughs> and I thought, oh, okay. I guess everyone's heard this myth except yeah. me. Well, that'd be um, good. Let's do that for well, another yeah, day. I think, I think ta- yeah, let's do mythology. I think for now, maybe we just start with, with history. We can do a really brief history uh, of Mate um, just on things that come to mind. Because I I know that for most of the listeners on here, they probably don't realize, uh, you know, probably because I I also didn't even realize that Mata history is almost like a history of South America, in a sense, or at least a history of Paraguay, Argentina, and and Brazil. It kind of, and did I say Uruguay? Uruguay, Argentina, Paraguay, and Brazil? That region, mate, is just talking about the history of mate, kind of gives you like an overall history of that region, yeah. right? So, um, that's kind of that's kind of how I th- I think of it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Go ahead. Well,
1: man. I was just gonna say. So let's let's go ahead and dive in right there. With, um, we know that that in Argentina, mate was growing. Uh, natively in, in northern parts of Argentina, southern parts of Brazil and Paraguay and, and Uruguay. And it's, uh, it's a plant that's more like a shrub, it's more like a shrub, and it's a derivative of the holly plant. Um, so it's very similar to the the holly plant that's in the United States, it's in the same family. And, but it grows natively, all over the northern part of Argentina. And so that's where the, it started coming from. Is the Guaraní Indians that lived in those areas? They're the ones that cultivated, roasted it, and and drank it um, for lots of different reasons. Right. But mainly medicinal um, was was the main reason. It's just as a medicine for them. Is how they started it out, uh, drinking it. And I yeah.
2: well, I know whenever that whenever I um... think. Take... Sorry, go go ahead, David. Go ahead, Casey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm All just going right, to say that whenever
0: <laughs> whenever I think about the history of Mate, I always, and I don't know if you guys even remember this movie, because uh, we were little kids when we watched it. Uh, Dad brought it, and, and we watched it, and I watched it se- several times, and it was called The Mission. I don't know if you remember The Mission. Yes, I do. Uh, remember. Ryan and Casey. I do. I do, too.
1: Okay. Yeah, with the... Yeah, so this is actually on my bucket list too. Uh, I've been wanting to watch it again uh, because of our talks, but I'm waiting for two other people to get together. We are going to watch it together and have like a Latin night. and We are going to watch the mission together.
0: Oh, yeah? Okay. Yeah. Yeah,
1: it's, but... for,
0: for any listeners that want to really understand Mate and where it came from, Watch that movie. Uh, it's it's a beautiful movie. It was I don't know when did it come out like in the eighties. It was pretty good for its time, uh, and I think it's the only movie 1986. of its kind. Nineteen eighty six. Thank you, best googler.
2: Um, <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> so nineteen eighty six. I was what eight years old. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, anyway. So the whole the whole thing about this movie is the Guarani people, right? So if you look at a map of Argentina, you know, you you kind of associate the Amazon with Brazil and at like the lower part of Brazil, uh, the lower region of Brazil um, and around Paraguay and the upper region, upper, uh, I guess it would be upper eastern region of Argentina,
2: Misiones,
0: uh, Misiones, yeah, the the province of Misiones, the province of Corrientes, uh, that region is where the Guaraní people lived. They lived in the region of Paraguay, Brazil, and and Upper Argentina, right? So, but here basically the story is this: uh, you had these Guaraní people, and they um. At the time, slavery was going on, and the Portuguese were taking, you know, not only did they, uh, not only did the Portuguese uh, take slaves from Africa, but they also used uh, Guarani people as slaves in their mines in Brazil for gold mining, etc. And the story basically is of this uh, uh, slave trader who uh, then uh, goes and... Finds out that his wife's cheating on him, or something like that. He kills the <laughs> lover. So the it gets really weird.
1: But uh, yeah, we don't want anyway. <laughs> <don't wanna> <laughs> yeah, to spoil everything. Don't want to spoil everything. Let them watch the movie. <laughs> but
0: yeah, the crux. But, but anyway, this guy basically, <clears throat> after being a slave trader and and uh, trading Guaraní for a long time, he essentially decides to repent and go back and become a Jesuit. And at the time. The Jesuits had established missions, and what they would do is they would bring in these Guaraní people and put them on these missions. And basically, if if the Guaraní were on missions, then the the slave traders would essentially just kind of leave them alone, right? So um, they would go and steal Guaraní uh, people for slaves for slaves but if the jesuits had them then they were you know considered christians and and saved so to speak so then they were so the the jesuits were basically making them christians and at the and what the jesuits had done is uh they had taken the you know they had taken um this plant the the yerba mate and um which was already used Pre-colonial times uh, by the Guarani, and was a um you know was a caffeinated herb, and it was around the time that you know coffee was getting popular as well, and they were selling it as Jesuit tea, and basically they were the first to cultivate the plant. It used to be just you know it wasn't cultivated before; uh, it was just. Uh, uh, gathered from the forest, right, uh, by the pe- by the Guarani, uh, the Jesuits established missions and basically like estancias where they actually cultivated the plant, and began to export it and try and started to, uh, you know, use the Guarani people as as labor on these plantations. So they were the first to do that,
1: um, and it was a long but... process too to be able to to um they uh what is the word called where when they domesticated Yeah, th- th- they had to domesticate this wild shrub and be able right. to that was grown under the canopy a lot uh under the canopy of uh, of the forest of the rainforest and be able to be in these large plantation to be able to start selling
2: um that much of the herb to to the people and so yeah so i i I had a, I had a companion when I lived in Chile um, for a while, who who was from Paraguay, and you know he was telling me a lot about the history there, and and he primarily drank tete tete. He didn't like it hot at all. <clears throat> he would drink it cold, um, but he would tell me about kind of the history of where where the Guarani people would just. At first, it wasn't a drink or anything like that. They would just pull the leaves off and chew on them and just stick them in their mouths and basically get that slow, slow bit of like a, a, a caffeine drip, if you will. And they just kind of, as they're walking through the forest, just grab the leaves off, stick it in their mouth and kind of chew it up and leave it there. Like coca. Um, like, yeah. Uh, like, yeah, like coca yeah, like Olivia, cocoa yeah. or tobacco. Right. Yeah. Very, very similar. And then from there, it kind of evolved. You know, the the Jesuits were the ones that kind of you know took those saw what they did and kind of used it as a cure-all and then started making you know it was kind of that that tea or that herb that they started using for all those purposes and what I didn't realize is that what how how ingrained the Guarani culture still is so in talk and speaking with that companion I didn't realize that Guarani was still the first language for a a good majority of the people in Paraguay and that Spanish is a second language and I you know that was my ignorance before going there. I just assumed you know South America was always Spanish or yeah. Portuguese, and he was like, "No, I speak I speak Guarani as my first language, and Spanish is second to me." Yeah, they're all they're all eye-opening. bilingual
0: that way, right? Yeah, uh, right. Yeah, and there, and I guess the region. um and I, I one one thing that I learned actually. Uh, do you guys know what Tarawi means? Tarawi is a famous mate brand, but do you guys know what it means? um oh i don't it it means river currents and it means corrientes and Corrient. it basically is the parani word for the city of corrientes which uh we you know or the province of corrientes right so um i hadn't realized that and it's it's a tarawi word for for corrientes which means currents like the river so the the uh and speaking of the river, I guess one thing that we needed to be clear is what we're talking about here is the Parana region. Um, so there's this river, not uh, you know you have the Amazon, which is a huge river. You have there's but there's another large river that starts basically in Brazil and goes down through Paraguay, and then all the way down through Rosario and out through Buenos Aires, and that's the Parana, uh, and the upper region of Parana is th- that's where. Like this, the region of Paraná is basically where maté is grown all around the Paraná River. So, and and again, it's like we're talking about like a huge river with islands in the middle, and (laughs) that uh, um, I know that you that we've all seen uh, along in Rosario. Yeah, they
1: they they will take boats like steam engines, not steam engines, but but uh, just boats all the way through. Um, through the Parana and all the way up into Brazil to move to move product and it's you know they've got huge um, what are those the the containers on on the back where they're right. just moving product up and down uh, Rio Parana and okay. yeah yeah and that is that I is essentially how latte
0: gets moved around is down that river Go Go down Parana yeah.
2: Yeah, no, I I was on Rio Parana or, you know, in the Rosario area, we we took a tour and there was some rafts that were floating, um, just like these makeshift rafts that would come down the river and there would be like a monkey inside, (laughs) like in this, in this cage that they like built on this raft and the, the boat, uh, driver was explaining to us that there was an illegal, um, an illegal basically animals trade from brazil where they would commission animals and then send them down on these really small rafts and just kind of like let them go down the river on these natural currents and then people would pick them up kind of outside of your regular shipping lanes i was like that's crazy that that they go that far there's just such an infrastructure in there okay so this is off the wall funny story
1: (laughs) oh okay so go ahead in, yes. <laughs> in, in northern argentina they they would also try and sell people monkeys um where where i was oh, yeah. in like jujui and Tartagal, way up north um and it's on the border of bolivia and they would they would sell these monkeys to tourists and the monkeys were like so passive and and cute but what they were doing is that they were getting them drunk they were feeding them alcohol. They were drinking it's... alcohol, getting them drunk, and as soon as the buzz wore off, they went nuts, and then and, yeah. and that's how they'd <laughs> get the tourists to buy the monkeys, and well, yeah, it's uh so that that's what I saw that too, up north, but that had nothing to do with Paraná River or mate. I just just just, <laughs> <or> just <laughs> an interesting story, just an interesting story about yeah. monkeys. <laughs> that they were trying so, yeah. to sell illegally.
0: So in in uh, in short, um the mate culture began with the Guarani, the indigenous uh tribes there, you know, they started it and, and really Asunción, uh, um yeah, Asunción was the first colony, Spanish colony in pa- in Paraguay and uh there was actually uh um I think at first uh at first, there was actually a, uh, um, the Jesuits were at, at first against Mate. They were trying to get the indigenous people and the Sp- the Spanish colonists that were in Asunción, they were get, trying to get them to stop drinking it. They thought that it was like of the devil. And, and then they changed their minds and thought, oh, we can sell this. <laughs> and so they started to, uh, they figured out how to, first domesticated and they and they kept that kind of like a like uh, a privileged secret within the jet within uh jesuits i guess they had like a special way of domestication of it and eventually here's kind of what happened in a nutshell and i'm totally going to butcher this so i'm sure there's i'm sure i'm leaving out lots of parts of history here um, but as <laughs> i understand it and you guys tell me if i'm wrong but as i understand it that you had basically what was the expulsion of the jesuits the you know because of some politics going on in europe um portugal and then spain basically expelled the jesuits they decided the jesuits were like uh against you know whatever the the Whatever Catholicism was at that time, they decided the Jesuits were, like, re- they they turned rebellious or something like that. So basically, it caused this. the it it caused a vacuum. where Brazil desi- decided to expel the Jesuits, and with that, you know, again going back to that movie, The Mission, the expulsion of the Jesuits caused. The Jesuits to have to run, and or fight. They had to basically run or fight, and so did their populations of uh, of Guaraní. It's a sad story. Uh, so what you know, a lot of a lot of the, the slave traders basically at the at the time that they decided to to get rid of the Jesuits. The slave traders saw that as a huge opportunity and came in to those missions. And basically rounded up or killed uh, a lot of the Guaraní, and then took them as slaves. And uh, anybody who could escape, they escaped into the forest, or they went toward Argentina and escaped into, uh, you know, a- across the border to Paraguay. And then, uh, when the slave traders came into Paraguay, they would es- they would go further and they go into Argentina. And the further into Argentina, and at the time, Misiones was like part of Paraguay, right? So, uh, yeah. Paraguay, Paraguay was a lot bigger uh, than it is now. At the time, um, so they would go into Argentina and uh, or or into Paraguay to the Misiones province, uh, but eventually the whole estancias, the missions, were completely abandoned, and uh, basically maté. Uh, the Ger- Gerba Mate be- sort of declined at that point. The whole business kind of declined and essentially Brazil was more interested in selling coffee. They figured out a way to make coffee a big business. And so they they, they basically used slaves and, and started focusing on coffee uh, production and, base- and made coffee worldwide drink. And Mate kind of fell out of favor Uh, at that point so except except in argentina so that here's the the thing in argentina they had kind of caught the bug they caught the mate bug and they in argentina it started to become um and they were actually uh, brazil was exporting a lot of mate to argentina (laughs) at the time so that that's uh that was another time period, right? And and then I guess what happened after that was and again, you guys can interrupt me whatever you want, but there was a there were there were a couple of big wars. You had like an Uruguayan, Argentine war, and then you had the big Paraguayan war, and the Paraguayan war was basically Paraguay, uh, because of differences over, differences over uh, borders paraguay essentially found itself like fighting on three fronts they were fighting against uruguay brazil and argentina and in the process and and this is like you know 19th century now uh so well past the jesuit time period of like the 17th century they they went to war and uh got annihilated and uh, lost a lot of life it was uh, a really sad story but basically they lost like like a major part of their land to Brazil, Uruguay, and Argentina. Um, Misiones and Corrientes and that region went to Argentina, and that's basically how Argentina ended up with the uh, the abandoned missions of that region, whereas Brazil got uh, ended up with uh, the uh, the plantations that were in Mato, Mato Grosso do Sul which is like the lower region of Brazil uh the lo- uh, the lowest province of Brazil so those <clears throat> that's that's kind of how Argentina ended up with that and and i guess just to round it off uh, you know um uh, we haven't talked about gauchos we need to talk about that and i'll and i'll get to that in a second but just to round it off what happened yeah <laughs> what happened was that uh uh after the war and uh, to to start to wean itself off of Brazil, of buying mate from Brazil, Argentina decided to start producing mate in and start exporting it and start growing it themselves in the Misiones province. And they encouraged at the time Argentina was taking a lot of of new immigrants from Europe and various regions of Europe from uh, anywhere, everywhere from Italy uh italy uh to uh germany and poland and uh ukraine they they had they had immigrants coming in from all over and they would take the immigrants and they would um they would encourage them to go north uh and go south you know they were they were fight, they were trying to establish themselves as uh they were trying to establish patagonia as, as being Argentine and and kind of uh keeping it away from chile cuz chile was trying to Get into the territory, but they sent they sent uh, immigrants both south and north. And to the north, they sent a lot of these Europeans and basically told gave them land, uh, and encouraged them to grow mate. Um, uh, so you had these uh, you you have these uh, old brands like Tarawi and Amanda and Rosamonte, and the founders of those brands are all european immigrants like uh from the ukraine or germany or switzerland or you know they're that's i i think uh i was surprised one day to learn like the the founders of Rosamonte, which you know we've drunk all of our life uh all yeah. of our lives is he, he was from the ukraine <laughs> I thought, oh how did a guy from well, the ukraine end up <laughs> end up in northern argentina and it was because of that uh that's how it wow. that's how it happened yep So, um,
1: okay, so getting to getting to Gauchos really quick before you go before you go there, because I want to talk about just a couple of points. Um, The the Pope right now, the Catholic Pope is from Argentina, and he is actually a Jesuit as well. So he started in in as a Jesuit and moved up the ranks through that uh, on that Jesuit. um, uh, the. I guess you can call it a fact or a uh, yeah. sect. The Jesuits
0: the came Jesuit back into sect. favor. Yeah,
1: yeah, they came back into favor. And so they do. Um, and he was actually exiled at one point from the Catholic Church, then brought back because of gaining favor in Argentina, in South America. And so he is a Jesuit uh, and the first Jesuit Pope to to, well, first Jesuit to become a Pope. That's what I was trying to say. So that was kind of a a, a neat um, just side thing about the, the Pope from Argentina. The other thing that I wanted to say is uh, when I was up in northern Argentina, I got to visit some some really old Jesuit churches. And some of the churches, uh, the one in particular that, that my wife and I went to was actually the nunnery was turned into kind of a um bed and breakfast and and gaucho uh they would and gaucho barn where they would have horses and we actually went there in the morning had uh some mate cocido and then rode um rode the the horses for a day and then came back to an asado and it was just kind That's of a so whole cool. gaucho way it was and 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 it was, was in a nunnery. It was in one of these. Um, the, and then, like, uh, in, as part of our tour on the horses, we we went past the the Jesuit church and got to look at all that kind of stuff. So it was it was really fun, really neat.
2: As as you described that, I was like, man, that sounds like the perfect vacation. <laughs> yeah to drink mate ride horses along the countryside and come back to an asalo that's yeah and it's even
1: more beautiful in argentina i mean it was even raining that day and it was just like still warm and and nice and we it was just awesome it was a good time so yeah after after this good segue into gaucho (laughs)
0: yeah i was gonna say after this podcast i gotta i gotta share you guys uh an instagram of a uh uh, Patricia was watching some something on Argentine TV, and they showed this guy, um, and they caught my attention. He is basically a gaucho who decided to go all around Argentina on horseback, and so uh, and he's got an Instagram, and he basically is going uh, going through every province on horseback. It must, be, and it's it's taking a month, like he's six months in. Or um, anyway, what a what a crazy thing wow. to do. Yep. That's what a long time. Argentina is a big country. Wow. It's a long country, uh, with with lots yes. of different seasons. <laughs> I was
2: thinking that poor horse. Yeah, it's
0: actually, th- he he has three horses, uh, so that he can switch like uh, every day. So he's ta- he has uh, yeah. three horses that go with him. Uh, but anyway, a really quick, and those horses are, are probably on... a
1: horse called a criollo. <laughs> uh-huh. Yes, if uh, if I'm not wrong, it would be a horse called a criollo, which is the native horse of Argentina. It would be. To the United States, what the, the quarter horse for, for the cowboy, the Criojo is the horse of choice for the gaucho in Argentina. And the court, I'm going to go a little deep on this. So, the, this horse, Criojo, actually is a mix of the Mustangs of Argentina and then a herd of Andalusians that came from the Spaniards. Andalusian horses are from Spain. And when the Spaniards were in South America, they um during wars and such, they had a whole herd that was that was out and about and mixed with the the Mustangs of Argentina, the native horses of Argentina. Um and then they became this thing called the Criollo. And Criollo is what they they give a name to anything that is kind of homemade or home uh from Argentina. They they put the criollo name behind it, so you can like buy certain things that are considered criollo, and that just means that it's that it's the style of Argentina. Like you can buy yeah. a nativity that's criollo, and so it it will look like yeah, the, I guess they'll have it,
2: um, the ponchos on and everything, and it looks yeah. The the term could also I I like to think of it as yeah, just, like local. local like this is this is a yeah. local horse yeah but yeah. it's like. Criojos
1: used that way and it is a but those are the horses that they use and they are super sturdy uh really stocky the first time I started reading about criojos there was a guy and this was back in the 50s there was a guy who rode his two he took two horses two of them were criojos and he wanted to make sure that everybody knew that the criojos horse was the best horse in the world or the hardiest horse and they they worked with them all the time. They didn't really put bits in their mouth because the Criollo horse would just eat as they worked. They would just eat along the road. They didn't stop to eat. And he rode he, these two horses from Buenos Aires to New York in I don't know how long, but that's how far he went. He went from Buenos Aires to New York on his two horses in the 50s and well, made right. it there. And that's, in, <laughs> yeah, I'm it's dead amazing. serious.
0: yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. The I'll word, have to look the up word his Criogio, name
0: while we. While, I think the while word creolza uh, is talk. perfect. Yeah, the word creolza is, I think, perfect to get into like a quick Gaucho history. And so creolza basically means creole, right? Like creole. We have creoles oh, here yeah. in in like in the in Louisiana. And basically, what that means is uh, a mix of races, right? Like you've got different races that mix and become its own race in a different country. And that's like a Creole, you create a Creole language where you have like an emerge, you have like a creation of different uh, of like a new dialect or a new language from a mix of others. Uh, so those, you know, so there's Creole peoples across different across the world and different places. But in Argentina, what, when you think of, when they say Criollo, that basically is mean, it's like authentically Argentine and local. Um but it it also stems directly from gaucho and uh and it I'll, I'll quickly explain why so the everybody who has ever heard you know ever learned the history of argentina any little kid they're always taught this um you know the the spanish first came thinking that there was silver in argentina they first arrived and colonized argentina uh thinking mm-hmm. that there would be silver there that's why it's called argentina that argentina means silver And uh, in Rio de la Plata, argentum, right? And the the the, they have a there's a big river there called Rio de la Plata, which basically means River of Silver. And it was all a dreadful lie. There wasn't any silver, (laughs) right? So (laughs) they so they got all these colonists to go there, thinking that they would become rich. uh, But it was they couldn't. They didn't find silver. Uh, But the colonists. So the col- a lot of the colonists they went back to Spain, but what they left behind, they left behind horses and they left behind cattle um, and the, uh, and, the, and the horses and the cattle. Uh, but there one more thing they left behind is they left behind children. so the these colonists, these men from Spain, they left behind with the Native Americans. Uh, they left behind uh, the gaucho. So the word gaucho is kind of like uh, uh, it's an indigenous word that means orphan. And basically it refers to the the Creole, you know, the mix of this people. Right. So it can be so you've got you've got these Mestizos. Mestizo basically means a uh, mix of, of white and, and uh, native. Right. And uh, you have this mm-hmm. Mestizaje happening. So you have these Mestizo people uh, and they're the this, this sons of, you know, these colonists. Basically what they they took those, they tamed the horses and they used the cattle and and it became a cattle culture and they basically became cowboys in a sense, uh, but they were gauchos. They were very uniquely, they were like Native Americans, they were Native Argentines um, and, uh, or indigenous people there, but they had Spanish blood in them. And that was how the Gauchos became. They were part part native, part Spanish. Uh, and the cattle became like the new Im- export. So Argentina oh, became Argentina very famous. Became very famous. Okay, I could okay. hear myself talking. <laughs> um, Argentina became very famous for cattle production because of gaucho now here's where it gets a little bit into mate is the gauchos after all of this happened you know they were the first to to create these the cattle culture but then when the spanish colonists came back they started to kind of take over right and they created estancias and they they brought that notion of property and they put put up fences and so that gau the gaucho culture started to go away of these you know these natives that were like mo- mainly nomadic and just, uh, and then just just uh, follow the cattle around. Uh, they it turned into more like farm. They they became farm hands in a sense, right? They these gauchos, yeah. they essentially became farmhands And additionally, uh, and and uh, and this is a sad story, but um, it's very much a history of Argentina. A lot of these gauchos ended up. Uh, being drafted into wars against the natives, uh, they knew how to ride horses. And they knew how to kill natives, and so they brought they brought them these couches, basically forced them into becoming soldiers against their own people, and even against Paraguay. So they took them up to the Paraguay War and the Uruguayan Wars, and, um, and they used they used them in these wars. Um, Against their own people, so uh, the Gaú gauch- the the Gaúcho also became farm hands on those mate plantations. So those those yerba mate plantations that later came about uh, also it, it basically became like cattle and mate. You know they would they would they would uh, grow mate and also have cattle, uh, and so mate started to become like part of the gaucho culture. And, uh, and some of these, you know, there's, there's histories of, of uh, people like Charles Darwin, who went down uh, when he explored Argentina, he rode with the gauchos and, and drank mate with them. And there's a lot of stories like that. And basically these gauchos have kind of like a, a legendary history of, of subsisting only on, on, beef and mate and
2: beef no and vegetables happy.
0: or <laughs> <that> they just <laughs> drink mate and and ate beef all the time and traveled on horses and we can you know we're gonna have to do a whole podcast on gaucho culture but that's uh that's and that's for a different topic but that's essentially the history and why yerba mate became so um so um, entrenched in gaucho culture Uh, And there's, and we'll we'll talk about this on a different podcast, but there's a famous book called Martin Fierro, and it's about this gaucho who is basically drafted into the war and has to fight against his own people. So uh, that's what Martin Fierro is about. Um, And and Martin Fierro is like one of the greatest pieces of literature, uh, considered one of the greatest pieces of literature from Argentina, basically woke up the country uh, to the plight of the gaucho, and now gauchos uh today are kind of like revered in the same way that we think of you know Native Americans now, right like uh um here in the States, we kind of give this reverence to Native Americans uh, and in Argentina there's like a reverence that's given to gauchos because they essentially founded the country uh and then were uh, treated very unfairly afterwards so that's that's uh, again like I said you know history of mate becomes the history of Argentina and uh, history of South America in a sense you had gauchos in Brazil as well so um, yeah and they, so they in Brazil thing.
1: they call them they call them the gauchos gauchos yeah. Gaucho. and it's very similar culture they just have they, they drink their mate a little bit different they call it shimahao and their the mate is um not smoked and not aged it's it's a lighter green and but they still drink mate they still have the big asado um they still do the same kind of um uh like a a rodeo style and the gauchos do too they they do rodeo that's uh, all around breaking horses, just like how the Cowboys kind of did it here in the United States. And so they 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 have these rodeos down in Argentina on the Pampas. And they do a lot of games. They have tons of uh, games, usually surrounding with, surrounded with betting. But I don't know what other yeah. games are that don't have betting. But they, they have all these different games where they they break the horses and they also um, they also ride them and have to have some sort of agility that they're that they they do and I think my favorite one is kind of like a they, they have a little a little spear that they ride towards these little rings in the in the air and then they have to Put the spear through the rings, and if you're thinking like, like uh, joustings type spears, no, it's like they're like the size of pencils. They're small, and the rings look like just rings that you would wear on your fingers, and and they they have to try and put that, um, that that little spear through the rings, and it's you know it's yeah. kind of neat to see these different gaucho games that they play, and then. Um, they start if you're looking at the food the the mate is just to keep you going throughout the day because they start they start the day with an asado they start it in the morning because that meat has to cook, and they do it on these huge um these huge fires and spits and and that meat is cooking all day long rotating along that, and then they're eating it late in the day. Um, or throughout the day, and as they drink mate throughout the day as well.
0: Yeah one one uh, other thing that gauchos are really famous for, and, and it turns into a game, are the they are tradition. You know how uh, cowboys have their lassos and use a lasso to to capture uh, to get to you know to to capture a, a uh,
1: yeah a uh, cow cow I don't
0: know a cow or something yeah so the the you know, the gauchos have those too. They have lassos, but they also have a contraption called a boleadora uh, or the bola or bolas. And basically it's like this, it's, it's a rope with like heavy ball, like two or three heavy balls at the end of it. And it's used to throw at, um, you, you would, you would use it to throw at like a cat, like a cow's feet. And basically get it entangled in their feet and cause them to fall down. And it it was originally, it was originally used uh, in the pampas, in uh, in in the south against the uh, oh my goodness the I'm uh, trying to think ostriches. of the ostriches. Yeah, the, the ostriches. ostriches. Yeah, they're not called ostriches though. They're called um, are yeah they, um, emus. You no. Know, um, I forget. Well, yeah. No, let's call them ostriches. It's a bird. <laughs> it's a the Nyandu the nyandu, the nyandu and the uh, and the guanacos. Uh, they would use them to to uh, capture to basically hunt those. Uh, you know, because they're on two feet, and uh, the guanacos are are a little bit tall. They look like you know.
1: They're, they're like, more like guanacos are like llamas.
0: Yeah, they're like llamas, but they're skinnier. Uh, And you could use those and it was, they would use those boleadores to, to capture those. Uh, So they're pretty famous, you know, Gauchos are pretty famous for using those as well. Uh, And I guess one thing I, maybe we can end on this note, but uh, the Gauchos basically drove off or killed, you know, the Gaucho and this, and Argentine army, we shouldn't, we really shouldn't think of it as being the Gauchos, but the in a, in a sad part of history for Argentina, basically the army was paid uh, to kill off natives, Native Americans and annihilated a lot of the uh, natives. Um, and the Gauchos uh, ended up helping or fought against it and were driven out themselves in the end, right? So, And so for that reason, uh, Gauchos, uh, tend to think be thought of as being part of history now they're not like you know there's there's gaucho culture but the original gauchos are are pretty much part of, of history but um, at a lot of those gauchos they ended up being driven off into parts of Chile uh, and kind of became um, the, became part of the indigenous uh they, they collectively and in, in, in introduce themselves right like to, to the mapuche from chile and uh essentially mapuche the mapuches are 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 the indigenous tribes in chile right uh they're um and the mapuche was was having its own battles against chile the chilean government <laughs> but uh there's parts in yeah. Patagonia where basically uh gaucho culture and mapuche culture kind of like collided and became one. And so now uh there's a book and there's different uh there there's a book and there's even like documentaries about the last gauchos and uh and they are in uh the Patagonian region uh and in Chile uh especially Chile, which ha which got me really interested in, in Chile for that reason. So that that's kind of like the last gauchos live there um, and are thought of as being like you know the creoles the actual indigenous gauchos if you go you know if you go to Argentina for sure, but that true indigenous gaucho uh, that seems to be largely gone so that as far as I understand I know in the north there's also uh, again like part of the the indigenous the um, um they there are also gauchos, so there's there's uh history to be, be had there. But yeah, all the original nomadic gauchos, the one that would cross like the um that would go off with their cattle and go go from once, go across the mountains, across the Pampas, uh unfortunately those those people are
1: largely gone. Yeah. There well and there's a lot of, um, like Buenos Aires doesn't have a whole lot of gaucho culture, but in the, in the Northern part of Argentina, the gaucho culture is huge. And mainly what you see it in is in their song and dance. And because of the, the area is still very, you know, it's getting more populated, but where in, in Buenos Aires, they, you'll see everybody on the street, um, dancing tango and uh tango and doing and listening to to rock music and things like that you you go up to northern parts of argentina and the people are playing uh folklore music or folklore music oh yeah is, that's had a renaissance which is an old traditional style yeah oh a huge renaissance right and and the dance like every they, they it's called a peña which where they get a whole bunch of bands together and they get all the dancers together and they dance and they, they have to, they wear traditional gaucho uh, style clothing. They bring the horses, they do the asados. Um, and they just sing and, and dance in these penas. And it's huge. It's huge in, in yeah. Northern Argentina and you most of the, most of the biggest bands for folklore that come out of uh, Argentina are coming from Salta. And that's where the biggest penions are at. Like, uh, like, and it's, and it's, yeah. So it lives on um, in, in song and dance, but yeah, you don't see a whole lot now, but every time there's a parade for every, for every military win or whatever parade that they have, they, you know, you'll see, 30, 40, 50 horses coming down with everybody yeah. wearing their, their best gaucho um, clothing. And they come down the streets and, and they come in uh, and a lot of them, depending on the different ones that I saw, they'd, they'd be like regiment, like they'd have their flag. Everybody would be in the exact same clothing. And, and, the, and so they keep a lot of that tradition alive. Um, through right through song and dance and through their traditions um but it's not as it's not as prevalent that you're going to see you know people you know herding cows and things like that yeah
2: there there's a lot of that in in chile as well and and it's interesting because in chile they they sometimes use the word gaucho but the 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 name they use in chile is um, uh waso um for to say gaucho or and um it's kind of something that they they use there and um but it's essentially kind of the same thing and you know the roots come a little bit more from the mapuche and stuff and like david was saying the majority of what's left the traditional style is is the further south you go i remember um watching a, a survivor man i don't know if i if i'd mentioned it already but um if you've ever watched survivor man with les Stroud, he does a survivor Survivor Man episode in Patagonia where he's trying to survive off of the land and he had, ends up stumbling into like this um gaucho shed essentially and finds some fat that had been sitting there and curing and dried and he was able to you know make a type of pemmican or or basically kind of survive off of what was the scraps of what other gauchos had left hanging there in their makeshift little meat locker that was just out there on meat the plains and it was kind of oh. cool to see well,
1: you know what? So, before we end, oh, go I, ahead. Well, I was
0: gonna, and yeah, I was gonna end too. I'll... But what, one thing I'll say before we leave, I, I'll kick myself if I don't say this. The map, Mapuche, there's a lot of words that ended up in Argentine vernacular from the Mapuche, and the biggest one, the most important one, is the word "che." Uh, right. So yeah. the word "che" from Mapuche. The word che actually means man and i, I forget what mapu mapuche means but I, I think it means like man of the land or something like that right like mapu of the they think of you know this is our world mapuche and that's what they know but che basically means you know people uh and so the word che is used on lots of things and there's also another indigenous tribe called tewelche which basically is the the people of Tewo, right? <laughs> the people of Mapu, the people of Tewa. Yeah. and and Che became like, kind of like a, a word for man. So when it, you know when, it, instead of saying Hey, man, we Argentines typically say Che, and that's kind of you know, uh, I guess the most famous person for being called Chez Che Guevara. But in Argentina, pretty much yeah. everybody, it's just it's just saying like Hey, you know
1: Hey Hey, buddy. <laughs> Uh, and that's Che.
2: It's it's, it's like, like,
1: hey dude, hey dude, get over here. Yeah. And you'd say Che, Che yeah. come here, come here, dude.
2: So a quick a quick a quick search online and it says uh, Mapu means earth and Che means person, and so you could consider that's it so like people of the earth yeah. or children of the mapu, earth. Che. Yep. So so I just want to cite some of the things
1: that I noted that I said earlier uh, and and clear up some things. Um there is no ostrich in South America. They're actually called a Rhea, R H E A, so Rhea. That's a Nyandu. Yeah. yeah. That is that yeah. And then and then the other two animals they did was vicuna, And um and that was uh it's like um, uh, it it they call it a camelid, which is kind of like a llama. It um, was like a family another thing,
0: prizes of llamas, guanacos, and uh, was, there's another one in Bolivia. And the vicuña. Yeah, yeah, that's the smaller one, right? Okay.
1: Yeah, the vicuña. Okay. So um, another thing I wanted to note is the length of the Parana River. The length of the Parana River is 3,032 miles. And to put that into perspective, the Mississippi River is 2318 miles. So over a thousand, you know another 1000 more miles in in the Rio Paraná. Wow. Well, um so I just thought that was that was kind of neat yeah. uh, to to know how big that river really is and how it goes from one one place to another so much. And lastly lastly the story about about Mancha and Gato who were both are the Criollo horses that he, the Criollo horses that, that uh this guy, A.F. Tishfeli. I don't know how to say his name cause he's Swiss, but he was living in, in Argentina. He took these two horses from Buenos Aires to, to New York in three years, took him three years. He did it in, three. <laughs> this guy is crazy, but, but there's a whole story about him, but he did it in three years and he did it in 1925, so that was um, that's pretty crazy to take two horses. But Mancha are the two are the two horses that went from Buenos Aires to to New York in three years in 1925. It took 1925 to 1928. All right, so pretty cool. All right,
0: so we're we're almost to our hour <laughs> mark. We're, we we got to end up there. But I'll I'll say we have got to we've got lots of more stuff that every time we talk we have more stuff to talk about we need to talk about mythology so we talk <laughs> more about gaucho culture because we we really should discuss martin piero at some point like the actual story uh and yeah. i'm sure there's
2: and, and eventually into aside from the gout within the gaucho culture i think you know we we need to talk about their actual, you know, survival abilities and kind of tools that they carried on them and different things like that. All right.
0: Thank you so much for uh you guys. (laughs) No, thank you guys. All right. right. Gracias y gracias. (laughs) See you later.